Our second reading comes to us from the opening verses of the Gospel of Mark. Give ear to this, that we might hear the Word of God for us. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Well, John the Baptist greets us every Advent, and he's quite the character, although he comes with some anger issues, according to some. In Luke's gospel, John warns the ax is at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and cast into unquenchable fire. Not exactly Christmas card material. In Matthew's gospel, the first words out of John's mouth are, you brood of vipers. I've been preaching for 35 years. I have never started a sermon, you brood of vipers. I'm not, not saying I haven't thought about it from time to time, but I haven't done it. But in Mark's telling, we're greeted by a kinder, gentler John the Baptist, not angry, strange, no doubt. He's strange. His diet is strange. He wears clothes that haven't been in style since the days of Elijah the Tishbite. And he wants everyone to know that the one coming after him will usher in a new day. In that sense, John was kind of the original interim pastor. John pleads with everyone to repent, repent. The Greek word translated repent is metanoia, and metanoia literally means to turn around, to go in a different direction. John the Baptist is the metanoia man. He sees the world as it is and knows how God can make it. So he calls ordinary folks like you and me to change, to repent. Repentance is not a very Presbyterian word, although maybe it should be. It's, not, it's just not an attractive word. When people tell us we need to change, it often makes us defensive. My wife Carol and I, we were at dinner one evening, and she interrupted a quiet moment, and she said, Tom R., there are some absolutely wonderful things about you. I thought this is going to be a good dinner. And then she continued. 
And she said, and I'm having to focus really hard on those wonderful things because there's some other things about you that otherwise would drive me crazy. Not exactly the dinner I'd hoped. When someone says you need to change even if you know they're right, well, we don't always want to hear that. So it's fascinating to me. It's absolutely fascinating to me how many people went out to hear John the Baptist. Mark says the whole Judean region and all of Jerusalem went out to hear John, really all of them. Evidently, John the Baptist was more popular than Taylor Swift. What do you suppose it was that made John so magnetic? He was strange in many ways, but perhaps never more so than his conviction that repentance was actually possible. John clearly believes that tomorrow can be a new day, not just yesterday lived all over again. John is convinced that ordinary people like you and me can turn over a new leaf, that the burdens and injuries and failings of our yesterdays can be set down and that we can claim love, compassion, even joy. John was absolutely convinced that we as individuals and we as a community can mature. Do you think he promises too much? We live in crazy times. My friend Ted Wardlaw, he said, doesn't it feel like somebody opened a door and all the grown-ups left the room? It sort of feels that way. Sometimes I wonder if John promises too much. But at the same time, there's a part of me that is drawn to him I have been surprised to discover over time that I have grown rather fond of this bug-eating wilderness metanoia man. There's a place in my soul that he and he alone speaks to. I think the magnetism of John has baffled me because I've so often heard John's call to repentance is some angry judgment. But maybe all of the Judean region and all of Jerusalem, maybe they all trekked out to hear this wilderness prophet because what they heard in his voice was not judgment, but hope. If I understand the text, the people sought him out because they understood repentance, not as an indictment, but as a possibility. John's words were not a threat. They were a promise. Tomorrow can be a different day. Do you believe that? Advent is the season of trying that hope on for size. That's why in the long tradition of Christian worship, John the Baptist has always been sort of the warm-up band for Advent. The re and repentance may be the most hopeful word in Scripture because it promises that we don't have to be who we have always been. 
a little history. When, John write, when Mark writes this gospel, his congregation is facing opposition. Persecution hangs in the air. And the reaction of the faithful was varied. There were some who said, we must take on the tools of our enemies. If they strike us, we strike back. There were some who said, it's time to cash in our chips. It's time to go home. We've tried this Jesus is Lord thing, but there's no evidence of it. I'm, I'm out. But others, and maybe most, sought compromise. They tried to blend in, keep their heads down, don't make waves. Privately, they confessed their faith, but publicly, they wanted to look like everyone else. They accommodated. It's these folks who Mark has in mind when he reminds us of John the Baptist. For John says, wait a minute, this is not a faith you dabble in. This is not a faith you sprinkle over your other convictions. This is not a faith you're casual about. This faith does not fit in with business as usual. This faith changes us. Jesus calls us to stand tall in a world of smallness, to trust that kindness is a power, to see the least of these as family, to love those who agree with us and to love those who don't. But the ways of Jesus can seem a long way away from reality, for the ways of greed and violence define so much of the world. It does feel that someone opened a door and all the grown-ups left, and it can make us cynical. It can cause us to wonder if anything can really change. Can there be a new day? Or are we continuously caught by the failings and injuries of yesterday? Understanding this temptation to cynicism is why I'm inspired by these folks who went to the wilderness to bet their souls on a better day, to trust that love that was coming could breathe their best selves into being. I've never been persecuted like Mark's congregation but I know something of accommodation. I embrace Christianity, but then when pressure comes because the demands of faith don't fit comfortably in culture, I hedge, I soft pedal, I pull back, I accommodate. And the truth is often I'm okay with that. It's actually what I want. I want enough faith to be meaningful, but not so much that I lose control. Professor Diogenes Allen once said, I found myself wondering what it would be like to actually live every moment aware of the presence of God. And then he quickly said, it's not that I actually want that. It would be quite daunting. I get that. I want to be faithful. And I know that taking up your own cross is a metaphor, but I want it to remain an abstract metaphor, a theological construct. I don't actually want to sacrifice. 
But then sometimes I actually find myself dissatisfied with that and I wish I were more faithful. I feel less at home with a casual embrace of the call of Christ. I want to mature a little bit. And I know that will require some kind of discipline that I'm not used to. But I want to be more of the person that Jesus believed I could be. I want to be part of a community that can offer hope to a culture that is seemingly convinced our best days lie behind us. I want to grow up a bit. Do you know what I'm talking about? If I understand it, that's why everyone went out to hear John. There comes a point when we have to put all of our chips down on hope and be willing to sacrifice for it. In the mid-1980s, I traveled to Nicaragua. The nation was at war at the time. I visited a little village called Hicaro. They were coffee farmers for the most part. But at night, soldiers would slip into the coffee fields and plant landmines in an effort to prevent coffee from being harvested. The farmers knew the risk, but they had to harvest the coffee or they couldn't survive. A few days before we arrived, a young boy with his father were picking beans. He ended up on a landmine. It blew him to bits. A few days later, I sat in a dirt floor chapel with a small coffin up front, listening to Amazing Grace being sung in a language I did not know. I could not speak. Then this child's young mother she wrapped her arm around that little coffin that held the pieces of her son. And as she wept, she pleaded, stop, stop, enough, basta, 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 enough. And in that heartbreaking moment, I wanted nothing so much as the promise of John the Baptist, repentance is the only way out. I think faith is like that. We go along and we get along and then the spirit creates a hunger in us for change. For from time to time, we want to be the people John believes we can be. And if you're like me, and maybe you're not, but if you're like me, you actually don't want that every day. If you're like me, you're actually okay with the way things are most days. But when you do want that change, that's when we need this metanoia man we find in Mark's gospel. Mark is a gospel for grown-ups. Mark is a gospel for the spiritually mature. Mark is a gospel for those who see life as it is and know that we aren't home yet and want to engage the discipline to make it better. I think I've remembered this week the face of that mother from Hicaro, Nicaragua because I feel like I see her face on the news every night. 
as we watch the horrors of the Middle East. We watch the supposed grown-ups teach yet another generation to hate each other. It is the certain fruit of this violence. As families are destroyed, it is nothing short of arrogance to assume the children who survive will not grow to hate those who kill their families. Violence is a sloppy tool and seldom achieves honorable purposes, and it can make us cynical. But then John sends John, that God sends John the Baptist to remind us that repentance is possible. I read about John the Baptist in the Chicago Tribune last Sunday. It was a story of Rabbi Jordan Ben-Dot Appel and Fatih Yildirim, one a Jew, the other an Arab. They saw each other at a protest at O'Hare in 2017. Both of them, fathers, carrying their elementary-aged children on their shoulders. It was that common link of humanity. Being a father who desperately wants his children to grow up to neither, neither be the destroyers nor the destroyed. It was that common humanity that brought them together and a friendship began. The Tribune spoke of how they remain in touch, particularly when one or the other experiences violence in their communities, which is almost all the time. I read the story and prayed that maybe those two elementary age children, now teenagers, will trust that it is possible not to hate one another. That's what repentance looks like. If you are like me, there are many days I refuse to let my faith call me to newness, but then some days come along and we hunger for life to be different. We hunger for, your, for marriage to come off autopilot, for, for parenting to discover joy again. We hunger for friendships that will speak of things that matter, for our consumerism to reflect compassion for the world. There will be days when you hunger for the world to teach the children to love one another, not to hate one another, and for the hungry to find their way to the feasting table, for there to be a love that meets us where we are, but refuses to leave us as we are. In those days, we find ourselves trekking out to this wilderness metanoia man to the place of unfamiliar words and the boldest of hopes. You will find yourself pushing through the crowds, hoping to feel some of that baptismal water that can wash yesterday's injuries away. When you find yourself there, there is no better news than the promise of this metanoia man who has bet his soul that repentance is possible for ordinary folks like you and me. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.